This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, author, and executive coach, and today I am over the moon excited to welcome Nicole Gebhardt to the show. Nicole is the founder and chief storyteller at Niche Pressworks, and her superpower is helping business leaders plan write, publish, and promote the right book for their goals. Today, we're going to do something really fun and different. For this episode, Nicole will be interviewing me about my experience publishing my new book, Your Career Advantage, with Niche Pressworks. Nicole, I'm going to give it to you to take away. Let's have fun, my friend. Oh, Caroline, you always have such fun fascinating guest. And today, if you'll allow me the honor, I'd love to flip the script and interview you about your story from the angle of someone who's had the unique opportunity to help you design your book to support your career vision and as a former corporate girl myself. So first, let's talk about your career. You worked in higher ed for 20 years and you had a side hustle speaking and coaching and consulting. So you made a big change that was part of the catalyst for this book. Will you tell us more? Well, first, Nicole, I am giddy with excitement. Thank you for honoring me as being the guest host. This is fun, fun, fun for me. And I know our global audience is going to learn a lot more about me, and I'm excited about that. Yes, I did make a big change. I had been in the higher ed realm for two decades and love that work, uh, but Really, I'm going to get vulnerable with you and this global listening audience. I have always struggled with workaholism, and it got to the point post-pandemic that I was working around the clock, and I was on a -a 90-hour-a-week treadmill. I was burned out. I was exhausted. I was depleted, and I wasn't loving my work anymore. And that was uh, the beginning of an aha moment that something needed to change. And as you said, I have this vibrant side hustle for well over a decade, my passion of speaking, coaching, and consulting. But that was not something that I really had the energy to pour into. And I knew it was time to make a change. So... I would got to ride along with you on that. And it was a big financial risk for you to do that. So tell us a little about what was hard about that. What was, what's been surprising to you? What's been easy? What were you worried about? What happened? What didn't explore that a little bit with us? You know, it's so interesting looking back at it. And just to give our, our audience some context, I am six months into being a full-time entrepreneur. So my side hustle is now a full-time hustle. And some of the obstacles that I had to think through, and I worked with coaches and with mentors and trusted advisors like you, and really had to work with what are those obstacles? How could I name my fears overcome them, walk into the fear, and have courage to find solutions. So one of my fears was that I was stuck in a scarcity mindset. What if I don't make the kind of money that I make with a regular paycheck with an organization? What about healthcare? What about retirement? And the more I explored and gave myself permission to investigate, I realized what may be very obvious 
you can buy healthcare, you can feed a retirement fund, and you can be very intentional about earning the kind of money that you want to, to have a vibrant life and career. So I, I really embrace the concept of courage is fear walking. And I walked into those fears and I'll, I'll be honest, some of them are still a little nerve wracking, but there's something incredibly liberating about saying, I can do this and I am not going to let the obstacles prevent my happiness. Well, this conversation is going to be so fun as we move forward. So let's set the framework a little bit about your book and start there, just so we've incorporated that. Let's talk about your beautiful book and who you wrote it for and what you hope your book will help you achieve and help others achieve. You know, this was such a lovely journey with you because I I had, I had knew I had another book in me and I'd been noodling about this for many, many months. And I, I got to the point where I really needed to give myself permission to do all the things that I share with my coaching clients, with my colleagues, with the teams that I've led. It's that classic scenario of uh, what is the old adage, you know, the, the shoemaker's kids have, have torn up shoes, right? So I needed to look myself in the mirror and take that own coaching advice that I was sharing for other people. So this book and the title is Your Career Advantage overcome challenges to achieve a rewarding work life is meant to give all of the readers permission to enjoy their career and their life simultaneously. And there's a poignant opportunity for those like me who struggle with workaholism to name it and own it and, and work through it so they can have a healthier life. So many people I have spoken with over the years are suffering. And I have a term suffering does not need to happen, right? The suckiness is real, but the suffering is optional. So I wrote this book for people just like me. And the demographic is unique in that it is mid-career professionals to leaders. And a sweet spot that I work with in my coaching practice is that first-time C-suite executive or first-time pinnacle role leader, because that's a, a scary and wonderful place. And I believe that this book is a great resource for those leaders. Yes, it is. So let's keep talking about you then and where you were uh, in this process and through this process. So when, when we first started out, the first thing that you and I do is we spend a lot of time talking about your career vision and not only the book, but all the things that need to come together for this to feel like a success for you. So when we were working on your strategy, Early on, you said, you know, I'd feel like I'd be living my best life if. I'd love to have you explore where you were emotionally and physically and, and mentally in your career at that point and, and where you are now. I remember that like it was yesterday, Nicole. I, I truly do. I can put myself in that mindset. And you and I were on Zoom at the time and I my tears welled up because I wasn't living my best life. And I think being able to name that, I was on a treadmill working 90 hours a week. And let me be clear to this global audience. I get it. We, we all are in work situations where there are crunch times, there are deadlines, and sometimes that 90 hours is a necessity, but it's not realistic week after week after week. So I was on that debilitating treadmill and I couldn't come up for air. I felt like my life had been grayed. And, and by that, I truly mean when, when I got off the treadmill, 
I saw things differently. Colors were vibrant. I smelled things. I tasted things. My senses were really on fire with life. And it was an emotional lift. And I realized that uh, giving myself permission was part of our strategy. I was going through the coaching process myself with you, and I was giving myself permission to glimpse what a vibrant life looks like. Often, I work with organizations that say, help us mitigate burnout. And I say, why don't we flip the script and ask, how can we live a life of vitality? I wasn't living that life. So giving myself permission to honor that allowed me to live a life of vitality. And boy, I'm not looking back. It is great on the other side. I am a happy camper. We're going to dig into that. Okay. So, but I'm so excited that you brought up the word vitality. I think that was one of your fascinating uh, words that you're starting to really speak about. What started to shift for you as we started working through your publishing strategy for both the business and the book? You know, I, I want to honor you in this because you were very firm with me about saying, what are those goals? Not just for the book, but for you. What's the vision that you want for your life? And truly that coaching, that strategy, that planning helped me operationalize and put into practice what I wanted. So I'm deeply grateful to you for that, not only because it empowered me to write a book that I'm really proud of, but it empowered me to live the life I was designing. So the shift for me was giving myself permission and to listen to my own coaching and the coaching that I was getting from wonderful professionals who have helped me along the journey and letting it sink in and actually starting to walk the talk. And, and that was dramatic for me. And, uh, Again, just such a powerful experience and one that I could pour into the book with with action steps. I have pro tips at the end of each chapter, but experiences that I drew from my life and from those around me. And that realness, that vulnerability was an opportunity for me to start fresh. You've heard me say this. I, I channel uh, Brene Brown and her wonderful quote vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And when I allowed myself to get vulnerable to say, gosh, this really sucks. I am not happy here and own it. Then the only place to go was up. And that was pivotal. So let's talk about that. Was there a moment that really caused you to say, now's the time for me to do this? Or was it a series of small things that just bubbled up? Well, it's interesting. I write about this in the book and I was hesitant about writing this because I thought, oh, this is kind of icky. This is kind of personal. And again, the great uh, editors at Niche said, put it in. Storytelling coach Michael Haig said, put it in. You've got to talk about yourself. It's relatable. And I'm so grateful that they coached me to do it. So here I am on Zoom in the middle of the pandemic and uh, working late into the evening. And I feel weird. My body just felt weird. And I felt this pain on my torso and in on my thighs and not to get overly graphic, but I realized I've got these red welts, the size of a pencil eraser all over my torso and all over my legs. And I'm panicking thinking, oh my God, it's shingles or it's something, you know, really, really bad. So of course it's after hours, can't call my doctor. 
So I go to the internet, you know, check out WebMD. And one of the things that came up was hives. And it said hives can be stress induced. Hello, I'm stressed out right now. Call my doctor first thing in the morning, get in to see her that day. And she said, look, this is a warning sign. Your body is screaming at you that you are under stress. You got to start listening. So yeah, that was a wake-up call. That was a moment that I had to listen to my body and understand that if I didn't change, things could go south really quickly and something even more debilitating. It took several weeks for those hives to go away, but I'll I'll tell you now, um, that was a good wake-up call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, we will talk a little bit about, I had that similar experience, but you know, when we talk about um, what I do and why I do it um, as a strategist and a publisher, you know, one of my taglines is it's not only the book you want, it's what the book makes possible. And this isn't your first book. So you wrote uh, a book called This Isn't the Career I Ordered, and you wrote that and published it in 2015. What did that first book do for your career while you were still working for an organization? Yeah, that book gave me credibility, street cred as a speaker. Uh, I interviewed hundreds of women around the world who had gone through a career reinvention. And at that time in my career, my first career reinvention from singing opera to uh, the corporate world and, and being a speaker and a trainer and a career development professional was the focus because I had made a dramatic shift. And that was a wonderful opportunity for me to develop a brand and credibility as a subject matter expert. But this book was very different. And that's why I worked with you, because it wasn't just about the book. It was about me. And as you said, the tagline, what the book makes possible. And that was so gratifying, enticing, and also rewarding, because this was a transformational experience for me as a professional, as a woman, as an individual. And I believe that I can share that transformation with my readers. So it was a very different experience and I'm deeply grateful for that. Let's pull that thread a little bit more then and tell me, it's like, what do you hope to achieve with this book and with your work now? Because I'm now focusing on what I absolutely love to do in my life and career, and I say that together because I'm allowing myself to enjoy life. It's not only career, and that's where I'm very seriously removing workaholism from my life. I'll be candid. It's a slippery slope for me, but I'm much more conscious of it. I have accountability partners and I'm much more aware of how to not let that creep in. So it's a it's a personal stake in the ground. But what I hope to achieve is to really help others understand you're not alone. And that's where sharing my personal story was important for relatability. So people said, ah, I get that. I understand that. And to help people know they're not alone and they don't have to work through this alone, there are resources. So in addition to my book, find people that can be part of your circle of trust, find resources that can help you. I think successful people, high achieving people often think I've got to do this alone. And they wear that as a badge of honor. And that's not the case. So my my big wish and hope and dream is that people 
find something in this book that is relatable and seek out resources to help them navigate a healthier life and career. Yeah, it's so wonderful that you're able to speak to now both sides of the experience. And so I know you have a lot of listeners who are in in the middle of a career right now that really need the advice that are in the book and your experiences on how do you navigate that um, and how do you create this career that you love. But it's some of your listeners are also now listening to you and wondering if they dare could make a leap like you've done. So I'd love for you to talk about your own leap a little bit more and what advice you have for people who either really want to consider leaving where they're at, or maybe they're budding entrepreneurs and they just have been wanting to start a business. And they're asking the question right now is, how'd you do it? What do I need to know? What's next? Yeah. It's interesting because I just spoke with a prospective client this morning about that very thing. And she's interested in starting her own uh, entrepreneurial venture. And I've been there. And and what I would say is um, you have to understand your own tolerance for risk I encourage everybody to plan. You don't want to make poor or uninformed financial choices if you you need to support yourself financial financially. So think about the resources that you can bring in. Talk to someone who has tax and accounting experience. Talk to a financial planner. Investigate healthcare, for example. Those are options that that you can pay for to have all of those resources. So if you're going the entrepreneurial route, you might think about the side hustle first, where you do that, but you have the um, the steady day job that that pays those bills until you're ready to make that leap. But I want to go back because not everybody is interested in taking an entrepreneurial leap. Some are, and be happy to talk about that in more detail, but some are just not happy in a career or an organization or a line of work. And we have this terrible concept in Western culture of it'll get better when, and we postpone our happiness and our gratification. So I'm sharing with this global audience, don't wait. Life is short. Things happen beyond your control. You deserve to be happy now. Find someone, find a coach, find a mentor, find a sponsor, find someone trusted who can help you navigate baby steps that will get you toward your change. And if you're unhappy in your career, pull back those layers, figure out why you deserve to be happy now. Don't wait. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, 
or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So I want to talk about one of your favorite phrases, which is about failing forward. Talk about where you uh, learned and applied the idea of failing forward in this journey. Oh my gosh, I love, love, love this. I know we're on a podcast, but I'm smiling ear to ear because I am on a mission to destigmatize failure. Failure is learning. Failure is an opportunity to try something again. And I believe in failing forward fast and often. We need to own that those mistakes are opportunities to learn something new. And I often ask my podcast guests, share a failure, but it's not about the failure. Frankly, nobody cares about the failure. It's about the recovery and the resilience. I failed a lot. And quite honestly, I'm proud of that. And I've learned every single time I failed, it's been a growth opportunity. And that continuous improvement model, that growth mindset has made me who I am today. And when I was a boss and a leader of people and teams, I wanted to instill that fail forward mindset to give people permission to try something new and to be innovative and be creative. So yes, I celebrate failure. I think we can learn so much from it and grow. Okay. So I want to go back and talk a little more about one of the biggest things, again, uh, that you've talked about, and that is this workaholism. And I want to explore it a little bit more. What did that look like for you again? And why did you hone in on that so much afterwards now? You know, it is always interesting. I am an extrovert. I am very verbal. It comes from being an opera singer. So I am the kind of person that loves to communicate verbally. But one of the times uh, that I am able to get quiet and introspective and thoughtful is when I write. So writing this book was a wonderful opportunity to really reflect and silence the monkey chatter. And it gave me permission to really unpack workaholism. I've always known that I am an overachiever and I was caught on that proverbial treadmill of doing more. And I often talk to teams now and to leaders, we are constantly raising the bar. So it's impossible to celebrate the current success because we're thinking about what's next. And that's a vicious cycle, not a virtuous circle. But what I learned while getting quiet and writing the book was that I was addicted to work and that blew my mind, but that was a self-realization that it was workaholism on steroids. And here's what I learned about that. I was missing my life because I had a compulsion to work Saturday, Sundays. So was my employer celebrating that? Absolutely. She's a workhorse. We know we can call her Sunday night. She will answer. She will answer at 6 a.m. in the morning because she appreciates that recognition. So when I understood that workaholism and work addiction was the only addiction we celebrate, I thought, okay, now we're on to something. One, I do not want to celebrate an addictive behavior. And two, I need to step away from the codependency of organizations that are exploiting, in the best possible way, my workaholism. And I don't need that recognition anymore. I don't need that badge of honor. 
because my life is more important. Yeah. You know, one of the things when we were first starting off together was that I had a very sincere concern about you and the number of hours that you were working and taking on this book project. And I shared with you a little bit about my own story. So I had I, I had a very successful career at Caterpillar. I was climbing the corporate ladder, but I also suffered from workaholism and had that health scare, had something that was my own wake-up call. So that, again, is very important to uh, my own message and my own passion about helping our clients build the business that they really want. Um, and I couldn't help but when we moved into the holidays, so you had just, you'd made the decision right before the holidays and you had left your, your organization and your career in order to pursue this dream. And I couldn't help but think of you every day and what that birth might feel like and, and what was going on. So what was the first moment? What were the moments that you really began to feel the freedom and the joy of the decision you made to leave? You know, it's it's so great that you're asking me this. And again, you can probably hear the smile in my voice. It was the first holiday in decades, and I'm talking about the Christmas holidays in December, that I experienced it with all my senses. Uh, I have, my sister and brother have kids, so I enjoyed the beautiful chaos, and I say that lovingly, <laughs> of my nieces and nephews in a way that I had never experienced. It was so joyful because in years past, in decades past, I was tethered to the phone or the laptop, even, even over the holidays. You know, what if? And there was always something. So I, I cannot explain how heightened my senses were. Colors were brighter. Sounds were clearer. I tasted things like I had never tasted before. And it, it sounds corny, but it's so true. I was experiencing life in this beautiful technicolor. And I realized what I had been missing and how juicy and delicious the present and the future was. And it was pure joy. Oh, I think as a coach, that's what's going to make you unstoppable. So how how has it shifted your perspective as a coach on life and work and, and what you want to do? Well, I had all the excuses, right? But But it's an emergency or the grant is due or the deadline is there or it'll pass. You know, this is just a busy time. This is the busy season. And I realized I was talking myself out of living my life. And I, I have, like I said, incredible coaches who have been telling me this for a long time, but until I tasted what that was like and really understood the joy, I didn't believe it. And again, the, the health scare with the hives and just the perpetual treadmill of 90 hours a week, I was exhausted and my life was numb. And I think that could have taken a really negative turn. It, it, my mental health was debilitating. I was missing extraordinary moments with my husband and my family and my friends. So everything opened up and I realized there's such a big, beautiful life out there and I deserve to live it. And, and here's the end, which I absolutely love. I can still be a high achiever, someone who does great work and someone who has incredible integrity and work ethic. I'm not swapping one out for the other. I can still be an extraordinary professional and I that's my badge of honor. Yeah. You know, in your book you talk about prioritizing yourself, uh, which comes from this. You want to talk some more about that? Yes. You know, I I 
believe in self-care. I, I, I get a good night's sleep. I eat well, I exercise, but I realized that wasn't enough. And I, I had this vision of you're giving yourself priority. I wasn't, I was, I was in denial and I hit bottom when that exhaustion became overwhelming. My body just couldn't, couldn't recover from that. So giving yourself permission to prioritize yourself is self-preservation. It's not greed. It's not, um, I'm looking for a word. I'm not even sure what that is. It, it, it's not uh, selfish. It's self-priority. And I think there's something really important, especially for women. And and men, I, I believe that you are nurturers too. But by nature, women tend to be very nurturing, very giving, and they look out for other people first, sometimes to our own detriment. So looking myself in the mirror and saying, it's okay, Caroline, to prioritize yourself has made me a better wife, sister, friend, colleague, whatever the relationship is, I'm better in those roles because I'm honoring myself. And this is the only body that I have. And I'm still, I'm still getting healthier from that time period. So I'm not done healing. What other gyms? So we've talked about workaholism. We've talked about prioritizing yourself. And we've talked about some of your own journey. What other gems will your readers find in the book? I think it's important to know too, the title is Overcome Challenges to Achieve a Rewarding Work Life, the subtitle. But the reality is we need to celebrate the wins too. And, and so many people that I spoke with in the book had little tweaks that they wanted to make. It wasn't a, a massive overhaul, a career shift or, or getting off a, a workaholic treadmill. Some people are, are balancing that very well. So I really want the listening audience to understand how they can optimize their life and their career and enjoy both together. But this is all about self-awareness, whether you're in a, a negative spiral because you're working too much, or you're just in the monotonous routine. Often we don't give ourselves the space and the quiet moments to reflect. And this book gives you practical, tactical wisdom and action steps in the form of pro tips. So you can step back and analyze what you're doing and figure out how to optimize it to make it better. So you can be happy, productive, and healthy. So let's bring this, this conversation home. And I want you to imagine you're writing your own book review and you're sharing with um, other people that are considering um buying your book and reading it, what the single best piece of advice you have to share from the book that you would want other people to really understand and take away? Mm, love that. You don't have to do it alone. One of the blurbs about the book is it's like having Caroline as your personal executive coach. And I truly believe that we need to reach out to people to help us on our journey. I continue to have coaches and advisors and mentors and sponsors who help me. And I want to bust the myth that you have to do this alone. Don't walk your life and career journey alone. Find others who can help you. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of, how do people work with you? 
Ah, well, thank you for asking. You know, I think the best place uh, to find all of my work is on my website at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I've got the podcast there. I've got videos. I've got a blog and lots of information about my coaching and training and and speaking. But I also want to mention that the book, uh, Your Career Advantage, Overcome Challenges to Achieve a Rewarding Work Life is available on Amazon. And it's now in paperback, hardcover, ebook, and audiobook with me narrating. So I hope that our audience will take advantage of those resources and and check it out. I would be honored for them to enjoy your career advantage. But Nicole, I'm going to ask you, how can our global listeners learn more about Niche Pressworks? Because I am absolutely convinced that many of these listeners have a book that they need to write. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, the easiest way to find us is to go to nichepressworks.com and and it's niche, N-I-C-H-E and Pressworks, P-R-E-S-S-W-O-R-K-S.com. Nicole Gebhardt, I treasure you. Thank you for your extraordinary coaching and to the whole niche team. What an incredible experience it was for me to write Your Career Advantage. And what a treat it was for me to have you interview me on the show today. Thank you. It was my honor. And I want to give a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.